Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, joined this week by our full Teacher's Lounge team of Matt Littman and Benji Davis. How's it going, gentlemen? It's going very well. Thank you, Michael. Benji? I'm okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Doing okay. A-okay. Okay. Trying to bring in the Allen, Allen spirit. Well, have you gentlemen also been asked by students to reflect on the current government? What are your thoughts? What are your projections? Because I know I have. I have. Uh, I people have, have been too. reaching out on WhatsApp. Yeah. So what I kept saying was, well, we'll do it on the podcast this week, and then we'll send you a link to the podcast. And then if you still have questions... Uh, you can ask, but I think this will nice. be a more thorough way to spend 30, 40 minutes laying out what we think about. Now, we've already done an episode a couple episodes ago. I could put a link in on one of the different parties. But I guess for today, you know, in this strange coalition, and, you know, they're so diverse and what was their motivation. So I'll put a link into that previous episode. But in this week's episode, what I really wanted to talk about is uh, with such a diverse coalition of such different parties of left right and center how do you think it's been going in the one week that they've existed and what are your thoughts for the future so first let's start with how they've handled their first week running the government of israel first impressions gentlemen um so i I would like to start at the very beginning of their their tenure their reign i don't know what quite the right word would be um, is at the inauguration or the, or the swearing in of the new government. Um, and I, I think the, for those that aren't aware, during Naftali Bennett's first speech, there was a crazy amount of heckling and there was a crazy amount of like catcalling and whistling. And it was very hard. And I thought he handled... Yes, it is a famously raucous parliament, but this was beyond the norm of just not letting the man get a sentence out without yelling at him. And it did seem it's pre-planned and coordinated. The president of the, the absolutely planned and coordinated, they brought pictures of terror victims, mm-hmm. some of them. I mean, there was definitely thought into those actions, but it's kind of the, you know, my wife was watching it with me and she's like, this is like the inauguration, right? And they're look what the, like, look what, that's crazy. Like, can you imagine on the, 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 the steps of the Capitol, the incumbent president, or uh, sorry, the president, he's no longer president-elect in the American, they're already president, they, get, they swear in and then they give the speech. For our sake, they gave a speech and then they're right. going to get squared in, assuming the government passes. But okay, it's as similar as we get, nonstop heckling by, by colleagues. Right, but you also wouldn't expect to see the behavior in America that you see in the British parliament or in the Italian parliament. In other words, parliamentary systems where Par- mm. the government sits in the legislature with the opposition will get yelled at in real time by the opposition. It's it, the, the, the comedy and, and civic respect shown in American politics, or at least that used to be shown in American politics, is unusual. I think, I think it's a good thing. But, 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 but in a but formal even, transition, in a parliamentary system, in the formal transition, the, that kind of oppositional etiquette is still happening as if it's just a random parliamentary session or like the... I know in England they have the week the weekly debate. Yeah, I love that. Like, like that's which Prime is Minister awesome. Questions. But is in it was literally to transition from one administration, as we say in America, right to the next. Like it was a formal transition. But this wasn't just you. You can get somebody yelling, but this wasn't just a disrespect to the incoming right. prime minister. It was a disrespect to the 
to the democratic Office. process and the transfer of power. Right. So that's what that, I wanted that to say. That it's, right. yeah. The reason I brought this up was because I thought that the way Naftali Bennett handled it um, as the incoming prime minister, uh, I thought he handled it with as much dignity and respect as he possibly could. And, and that was very heartwarming for me to see the future prime minister hand, handling something like that with, with dignity. And then Yael Lapid, mm-hmm. who is the alternate prime minister and the foreign minister in his speech, he basically ditched his speech and said, um, we've invited my 84-year-old mother to come all the way from Tel Aviv. Uh, it's a hard journey for her, but we, we did it. And I'm not going to give the speech now because you're being so disrespectful. And and, the, I, I, and I'm embarrassed that she saw that. Yeah, and, and I felt that those two ways that they handled it was as good as could be expected to be handled it. And uh, I'm not sure that government always has to act with dignity to, to be an effective government, but there was something very nice to see a government acting with dignity. And also when Prime Minister, the former Prime Minister, as he is now former Prime Minister Netanyahu spoke, that there wasn't the same response, that the outgoing opposition incoming uh, coalition were not treating him in that same disrespectful way. Uh, he got, a, he got, he got, I think, a normal amount of being yelled at. Yeah. And of course, his speech was largely trolling them and saying how they're going to destroy the state of Israel. Uh, I, I actually didn't love Lapid's. I was, it was very impactful when Lapid said that, uh, you know, you're an embarrassment to m- me and my mother and all citizens of Israel. And your behavior is a reminder about why you should not be in power anymore. I did not think that was so dignified. Uh, I don't know that he had to give a speech. I think he could have just said he wagged his finger, which I thought was, by the way, I agree with you. Their behavior was atrocious and a disrespect, again, not only to the incoming government, but to Israeli democracy itself. But I, I, I don't think he rose above it. I think, understandably, he he yelled back and wagged his finger at them metaphorically. And 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 I thought that was a little bit less dignified. I don't know. I'm I'm very nitpicky here because it was an embarrassing behavior for a democratic body to behave that way. And quite frankly, I thought BB's speech, which first of all he's such a master at the podium, but master. I thought his he's so good. I thought his... Hebrew and in English, equally good. Uh, I, I agree, but I, do, I would say his Hebrew is cooler, even though he's just as good a speaker, because he peppers it with biblical phrases. That's clearly intentional, because it... it, it but maybe that's, it hits your identity more. For sure it does, but... As a Hebrew speaker... It's, it's not only Hebrew speaking, it's a connection to our 3,000 years of history. And it's our national... It's so, it's so Zionistically potent. It's very Ben-Gurion to use biblical allusion in your it peppered into your conversation, but it always impresses me. But uh, but he went from I thought fairly bragging about the accomplishments of his longest-serving prime ministership uh, into directly trolling and attacking and just being nasty. And even though you won't protect us from Iran, I want the Iranians to know that I'll be back. Like that kind of Terminator stuff. <laughs> Like, dude, I, I get that that's 21st century politics, but it shouldn't be. Like, I, I do think a good civics nerd understands perfectly well that uh, that's no good. Right. And, and the other and thing... Benji just disabled his Zoom recording. Yeah. Oh, and, and the other thing that Benji and I had been discussing the, the other day about this was um, the handover period that Naftali Bennett was granted... Uh, by Prime Minister Netanyahu was a half an hour meeting. Um, anybody who's ever 
That right. is Anybody crazy. who's ever yeah. been in any sort of job will know that you go through a transitional handover period um, for it to be a, for what for the most important job in the country for it to be a thirty minute a thirty minute conversation is, is crazy. And then of course, and yeah. I think we're going to get to this a bit later, but some of the uh, policy or some of the decisions that were made by the outgoing government and the timing of them are intended to put a, uh, a stumbling block before the new government. For example, the flag march that just took place the other day that I know Mike wanted mm-hmm. to address a bit later. But so th- those are things which I think that they they're being set up to fail as an incoming government. Mm-hmm. But so far, <laughs> I mean, it's only what six days old or something they, they, they so far haven't yet failed. Well, for me and Benjamin, you know, we didn't grow up in a parliamentary system. It's a little bit more foreign to us, the idea of the loyal opposition. And it's the responsibility in a parliamentary system that, yes, you're the opposition, but you are loyal to the, to the people as a whole and to the government as a whole and to the, the you know, political politics as a whole, that we, we are opponents. We are the opposition as opponents, but we are loyal. We are part. And that has become an unpopular mode in Israeli politics. And I would argue that the current coalition is trying to behave <laughs> as the loyal government uh, more than the opposition, which is now, to a certain degree, and I don't mean this as, as tre- they're not committing treason, it's just, it's it's the, they're, they're acting like a disloyal opposition. We're hoping for you, they're explicit. We are looking forward to when you fail so that we can jump back in. And that's not the right tone or... I feel like uh, right. that's not democratically appropriate. Senior members from every party of the outgoing government, as you quite rightly said, have explicitly said, we're looking forward to seeing you like mess this up. And on the other hand, you would think, well, OK, you're not in the government anymore, but surely your loyalty or your responsibility to see the country yeah. succeed would overcome exactly. any party pettiness or party rivalry. Doesn't seem to be the case uh, <laughs> right now. So I guess that's part of it. Yeah, and we see that trend around the world. Uh, how did you think that the, this march, which was somewhat delayed because it was going to be a provocative Israeli right-wing march waving Israeli flags at Arabs at the Old City, uh, had to go through security review by the new government in their first week. Hamas threatened that if the march went on, they would attack Israel. So you're right, that was a setup for the first week. How do you think the government handled it by having their Labour Party internal security minister approve the march, which went on and was absolutely filled with hate speech and inc- you know incitement, certainly from many of the people there? Mm. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, like as we keep alluding to, it was it was clearly like set up and, and designed to be to timed to to be a challenge. Um, and I think it's interesting because our current Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, he sort of is, yes, he's caught, kind of come in as this, uh, as the kingmaker, um, mm-hmm. but he really does straddle the different worlds which are prevalent in Israeli society, right? He himself would consider himself mm-hmm. to be religious. He's married to somebody who considers herself not to be religious. He considers himself to be right-wing. Other people say, hey, you're not right-wing enough. Um, so the fact that he allowed the, the I don't know, whose ultimate decision it was, right? But he's obviously involved in that decision um, as the prime minister. The fact that he allowed it was a nod to the right, to his right-wing cr- credentials, but also saying, listen, like you can't go around like telling people like we want to kill you, death to Arabs. That's not an appropriate way for uh, people 
to, to behave and, and, and to conduct themselves. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think it was, it seems to me that he made a nod to his right wing credentials by cancelling it. That would have been a knockout blow for his right wing credentials from the beginning. Um, but on the other hand, to say, listen, we're, we're, we're a tolerant society. We're not going around preaching hatred and we're not going to go around ki- telling people we want to kill them. Um, so I think he handled it pretty well, actually, from a political I also think it's, um, it reflects a different way of management mm-hmm. on Bennett's part, which is I think he wants to empower his ministers. Mm-hmm. As in, Lapid is really going to be in charge of foreign policy as the foreign minister, mm-hmm. whereas Bibi was really in charge of defense and foreign policy, mm-hmm. and his defense ministers, and if he had a foreign minister, did, didn't really have like much power, and the people around the world knew if you wanted to talk about defense and foreign stuff as it relates to Israel, you, you, talk, you go through the prime minister's office, you go through the ambassador in the U.S., etc., and Bennett's style is going to be, he's going to empower his ministers, both foreign and defense, but also, I think, um, and domestic. As in, he really wants to be a manager that delegates and empowers. Uh, and seeing this, you know, as like he was an executive in business. And so when his public security minister, you know, Omar Barlev, who, A, his dad had that role, I think, in the 80s, and B, uh, has his own security background, mm-hmm. you know, he said, like, he, okay, like, this can go, this can happen. Um, I think it wasn't... But like a bullying from the, the prime minister being like, uh, we're going to make this happen. And like with BB, it could have been, he would have even said like, I made him do it. You know, you, you could have mm-hmm. seen it happen or like, he doesn't really have power, but I'm assuming there was communication and this, and he, he trusts them. And I think he wants to build a government of, of, of trust mm-hmm. and a government that's managing and, and that it looks like, uh, you know, it's actually working. Uh, and I think that yeah. that's the contrast, which is a, a, yeah, a functioning, um, functioning agencies. I think and, the management style it, you brought I, up is an interesting one because right, that was one of the big things that people would say about Bibi is he was trying to keep all the power for himself, not give that responsibility, take all the credit when things went well. Oh, hmm. In the foreign and defense yeah. stuff, he abdicated his power when it came to most domestic issues up until Corona, right. um, which wasn't a good thing if that's, with the, if that's coming from the executive. And I think Dafka now, it seems, Naftali Bennett... He actually, he wants to A, empower his ministers, but mm-hmm. he really wants to invest time in some of the domestic issues, because in a way, that was kind of his mandate for doing this maneuver, mm-hmm. which is the Israeli government failed in the greatest domestic crisis, uh, which was Corona, and then what happened with Meron, um, it sounded, seems a no-brainer, like, he should focus on domestic, and also focusing on defense and foreign uh, issues, uh, with a parity government between right, left, center, with an Arab party, and not wanting to get in a fight and contrast himself with how BB related to democratic governments in the U.S. of the past, it actually seems like a smart political move. Focus on domestic, and you know, uh, and, and try so to get wanna, some wins there. I want to yes and you that not only do I think it's a better management style to to delegate to trusted lieutenants and show them that you're empowering them, but I also think from a civics perspective. It's exactly the right lesson. In other words, mm. we're showing you Spoken that like we are in the teacher. government to execute the system of this democracy. It's not about that we get our desired outcome. I am sure that Omar Barlet was not thrilled with Ben Gvir and Israeli people yelling death to Arabs, waving Israeli flags. Like, that's an embarrassment. But it's a democracy. They applied for it. They have this legal right as citizens to do it. And so... If, if I can find a secure way to prepare it, 
No, I have to take security into consideration. But I don't just say no because it's dangerous. You have a democratic right to, to protest things that I find abhorrent, and I will protect that right. And as a member of government, whether I agree with you or not, I will protect your right to, do, to behave in a way that I find odious and disgusting, which I think all people of goodwill understand, whether you're right, left, or center, religious, secular. Yelling death to Arabs or death to anyone is just in, inexcusably awful, un-Jewish, horrible behavior. And Omar Barlow didn't think that that wouldn't happen. But he said, eh, it's democracy. I have to protect that right. That's my job as government. I'm not acting in my partisan role as a member of labor. And you saw critics on both sides have difficulty who don't understand that civics idea. You had people on the left like, why is he allowing it? Like, they're disgusting. Or people on the right being like, why did he allow it? He disagrees. Because that's how democracy is supposed to work. And he's doing his and job. And he's a professional. And Bennett did his job professionally. That's the job. That's how things are supposed to work. And to me, the idea of unity government, in the abstract, okay, how things actually pan out, I, I don't know. But the idea of having this broad a coalition is such a beautiful example of the whole idea of democracy. We're not, we're not in, we don't arrange government to defeat each other. That's like being in one lifeboat and appointing a minister to drill a hole under the end of the other end of the lifeboat. Like what? Why are you even talking about defeating your enemies? That's suicidal. Yes, we disagree about the way to approach things, and those degree, disagreements are profound. Yes, politics is a rough and tumble business where we punch hard. But it also, at the end of the day, we have to realize that we're ultimately in the same boat. And so that kind of responsible behavior, it was a setup for uh, the government to screw up. I don't think they screwed up. And I think it did lead to Hamas claiming it didn't break its ceasefire because it wasn't launching rockets. They just lent it incendiary balloons. Okay, we understand who Hamas is. And Israel struck back at Gaza. So right. here's a government. And, and now it's kind of looks like it's back to shh, right? Because that's what quiet. both sides really want. So this was, right. this was one of the first well, stumbling I'll... blocks thrown out, and I think they handled it in a really Ugh. difficult, painful week. I think they handled it like responsible adults. And also Hamas was kind of being a responsible adult, oddly, because they got what they wanted out of the mini-war. There was this poll, right? Uh, Who should lead the Palestinians in the future? It was like 50-something percent Hamas and like 15-something percent Fatah. That's literally Mm -hmm. why they did what they did. So, you know, the main thing about politics is don't do stupid things. Like, I think that was like Obama's main... I heard that. Yeah, I would argue that 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 was a terrible foreign policy... Big idea, don't be stupid. Don't do stupid stuff. Whatever. Yeah. Right. So I think that was an Obama thing. But it, you can apply it in other, you know, areas of politics. And it's think Hamas is like, okay, <laughs> yeah, we, we achieved our goals. You know, we have to come across as like, you know, tough or whatever. But let's, we don't want to, we don't want to get in another fight. So let's just get out of this uh, and keep the fact that, you know, Palestinian street is much more with us than they were, uh, right. you know, six well, weeks one ago. Of my, but I, I want to just want to say yeah, one, sorry, one of my students texted me yesterday and said, well, doesn't Israel striking Gaza and the balloons, doesn't that both go against the terms of the ceasefire? I was like, yeah. And they're like, well, uh-huh. now what's going to happen? So it's just trying to push the limits, right? Push the boundaries, see what you can get away with without crashing through the right. red lines. I mean, it is by definition not a cease of fire. If you fire. <laughs> <laughs> Launches balloons and rockets. Like, 
I don't know how to make it clearer than that. Yeah. But the ceasefire had no conditions. It just They just agreed to stop fighting each other and go back to how it was before, which was yeah. random acts of right, violence. But then it's, which is so it's says, incendiary balloon. We respond. That's how, it, that's how that's it's been. That's what all ceasefires are, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you cease. Like, ceasefire and then... Or you fire. <laughs> and then you fire. Until we fire <laughs> next time. I wanted to well, ask a question yeah. um, about Bennett. Yeah. How does he grow... Either it's either a how or a can question. I'm not sure which one to go. But how does he either gray, a grow a political base right now, which he it seems to be quite limited, or can he even do that? Because the people that seem to be happy with Bennett as prime minister seem to be people like me who would never vote for him, but are really happy with this left, right, centrist government with an Arab party for the first time. It looks mm-hmm. more professional and civic. And the left can't overdo the right, and the right can't overdo the left. It's like a centrist dream in a way, right? And the fact so, that he's talking to Micha Goodman about how to reduce the conflict, yeah, and shrinking the conflict—that's literally yeah. what I believe in the heart of my neshama. Yeah, so it's very what, centrist. What, with a guy Bennett who believes in the entirety of the land of Israel, which I don't necessarily disagree with, but I just think there's another people here, and we have to live with them side by side. So, what can we do? Maybe they should have a state of their own that seemed to make sense if it would end the conflict, but if it couldn't. Micha Goodman wrote a great book. Let's just shrink it. They don't give up on right of return. We don't give up on our security needs. And, you know, we both Let's make everyone's life better ours. in the meantime. You were so, reportedly, so, we should say explicitly, reportedly Bennett's been meeting with Micha Goodman for advice as the prime minister. Yeah, yeah. Which I find very uh, encouraging. But, yeah. I was like, why do these public intellectuals always write these books? I guess A, to make money, but B... He actually can have influence, which is awesome. Yeah, I think um, they do, yeah. But okay, so who, who are his future voters? Is, it, is he going to be ended up fighting Gantz and Lapid and Saar for the centrist, center-right, Mamlakhti voters? And Likud is now this you know, bastion of Bibiism? I, I, I think uh, it's a really good question, but I, I'd like to maybe challenge the premise of the question slightly by saying, again, I'm yeah. not predicting, and Mike always laughs at me for being a terrible predictor, but... But I'm I'm wondering. Well, I give you credit for not shirking doing it again and again. (laughs) But I'm wondering. You're fearless. This might be way too early days to make such a bold uh, prediction or statement. But I wonder if we're seeing a a shift in the way that Israeli politics works. That instead of being about party loyalty and and block loyalty, we're actually seeing maybe, and maybe this is just a short-term thing, but we're seeing actually a bridging of those different sort of right, left, center. And what you do need is somebody who is putting their own electoral and political success or electoral success to one side and saying what's more important isn't how many mandates I get, how many seats I get, but that I'm able to actually bridge between these different sectors. And as I mentioned before, I feel like Naftali Bennett is someone who really can. He has a security background. He has a a business background. He has a religious background. He knows how to talk to to secular people properly, right? Like he he bridges all of those different worlds. And yeah, it makes it for a very small niche electoral market. But on a leadership and a political scale uh, platform, He's got everything that he needs and he's less interested in, oh, I'm going to get the most seats and I'm going to make the most my, most right wing government. But he's actually trying to create a, um, a coexistence and a consensus, which is a very different goal. But maybe that's what he's trying to do. But still, how does that translate into votes? Well, he needs yeah. a base to stay in power. Yes. If he has no political base, but let's. 
he will be okay. gone. And it's happened to him before when he tried running on a party of secular, religious, but right, let's just, okay, let, we're working on this, or I, I think your question is coming from the assumption that this government is going to break apart, which, which it very well may do. No, no I'm not even, not. I, well, I, no, think, I don't think it will break apart. I think Lebanon has a good chance all. of being yeah. prime okay. minister. So in that case. And I think this government can last three okay, years. So, it will pass a budget of two years and it may pass another so, budget and then we'll okay, see what happens. So yeah. do, I think it's passing a okay. budget. It's so happening. let's say two, three, three, at this point, a two-year government would be a success of stability compared yeah. to what we've had in the last couple of years. Right? So let's say... He so so Benji's up. question is, do you think the Amina party will grow? Or does Bennett have to come up with a new political system to, to attract voters to his Platform. That, I think, is like, at the root he of Benji's join, question. To, to him and Gideon Sar have to form a Likud alternative right. party? Maybe, uh, but, I'm, but or, I think it lasts you have, for three years and, and, they, and they lead in a way that they want to lead for three years then it kind of says to me, all right, well, maybe at this point he might say, okay, because think about it. The, the One of the things they want to try no, and introduce Matt, is, is term limits, right? So if Matt, he says, I'm going to be prime minister for two years and then Lepid for a year, okay. Maybe he's done at that point. I don't Matt, know. You miss it. Matt, will, he right now is the prime minister. He is also the head of the party called Yamina. Mm-hmm. Yamina is now split. And I've seen different reports on how many are happy that he's doing Yamina, how many aren't. But whatever it is, he now, as the prime minister with seven seats, there is no way if we held an election tomorrow, you mean it would get seven seats. There's no way. It's not clear that it would pass the threshold to be an existing right. political party. That's Benji's question. Because if in four years, you, it, let's say the government lasts four years, after two years of Lapid being prime minister, do you think the Amina electorate will grow? Or does Bennett have to create a new party identity? In order to retain power, now I would I would say, I would say, if you look at Lapid's career, he is nothing uh, if not flexible in his party identity. He has switched from uh, the Jewish Home Party Benny, to the Benny. New Benny, Right Party. You're you said Lapid. Uh, uh, what did I say? Lapid. You said Lapid. I am now at the age where you have to listen to what I mean and not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> if I said Lapid, that's crazy. He's only been Yeshatid. That's right. his entire identity. Well, he's the he's the dictator of Yeshatid. Yeah, yeah Nachon. So, but 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 Bennett was Jewish home, uh, new right with Ayala Chaket in charge, and then there was now he's right word. I guess would be the English name for Yamina. I, like he's he is. He and, and in a sense, that means he's not. You could argue it means he's not ideologically consistent, and certainly the accusations from within Yamina. Disagree. I think he's ideologically consistent. He doesn't have a political base of his own. As in, he joined by Yehudi and he took over a dying national religious party and infused it. So, oh, so he's, with he wants to run a religious and Zionist youth. Party? No, no, no. He wanted. He needed a platform for himself. By Yehudi, he destroyed everyone in the primary comes in charge, gets 12 seats in the 2013 election, and then feels limited by the influence of the, the rabbis and the, the establishment institution of religious Zionism. And he always wanted to be broader than that, broader to Israeli society. It's a part of his ideology of like, yes, I'm right wing, but he lives in his family life and his, his, his work life, which is to be, you know, one foot religious, one foot secular, this joining of everyone. So he tried to create his own political platform with new rights, and it failed. So then he always had to have Yamina, which was a unity of different parties, and uh, it never got more than six or seven seats ever. He's maxed out. And I'll put it into very few words, and I hope I get the names right this time. 
Lapid's ideology is being centrist, competent, and functional. Yes. Bennett. Or not Bennett, ideology, they're, they're no, mantra, no, let, political let identities. Okay, fine. Bennett believes in being functional and competent. And the, he's not as ideological. In other words, he's, he's, he leans right. He leans really right, like more right than, than Bibi on things. But he's less ideological, I think, than Lapid. Lapid is more of a civics nerd who wants government to behave properly. And Bennett is, I care about Israel. I'm a Zionist. I want Israel to move forward. I have certain instincts and intuitions, but I'm pushing forward. I, I, I genuinely think, and that's why, to go from a religious party to a not religious party, is is a is a is a conceptual shift that for him is just pragmatic because really he is religious but really also he does think secular he's not his political behavior isn't driven by an ideological logjam he wants to he's he's i don't it doesn't bother me that he's not ideologically consistent as a politician i don't know that i would vote for him but but he's a pragmatist i like to vote for pragmatists and i think i think i I think that Lapid is inarguably much more consistent. You see, what because you, that's his ideology. I think Bennett is more pragmatic, and that's what I want to. That's what I like. Right, but when you when you said he's pragmatic, the the thing you said before is something like he's a Zionist and he loves and he loves the country and he wants to do the best for the country, and you describe mm-hmm. that as pragmatism. You see, in my mind, with before you labeled it as pragmatism, I was thinking, ah, that's his ideology, right? And in order to fulfill the ideology. He has to be pragmatic. That's not, that's not my definition of a political ideology. That's just patriotism. Political ideology is I'm a socialist and I believe in sharing the wealth. Or I don't think he believes that. Uh, 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 an ideology is I believe, I believe that a functional Jewish majority creates a democracy and therefore I believe in absolute compromise at all costs with the Palestinians to create a Palestinian state as soon as possible. You know, Shalom Akshav. Or... I believe that this entire land is ours, and any. Uh, the, I, I realize that the language is being fuzzy. It's, it's a free flowing conversation. I'm not. I'm not laying out clear philosophical definitions when I say something like ideology. But I mean, his partisan ideology ah, okay, is flexible. Yes. Okay. And I, I think that's an important distinction. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, to come back to what Benji's question was again, in the way you defined it, Mike, was either he's going to have to make. I, I can't remember exactly the terms used, but either he's going to have to lose his base or create a new sort of base, right? That was, he doesn't have a base. I I think he doesn't have a base. So he's lost his base. base. But he he might never have had a base. Yes. And I'm suggesting that a huge base and now he lost that. And I'm suggesting sort of a third way that maybe a good chunk need that base in, in because he's lost the base, right? Yeah. He's still the prime minister. Then what gets him into Knesset? Yeah. But he, he theoretically could get in with four seats and still be prime minister. I mean, if I think this was a seats. super unique. Yeah. That, well, that's the question. We've seen him fail before. Unique, We've seen him fail to hopefully. pass the threshold uh, a couple of rounds ago. But new right. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel that again. It's too early. I don't to predict, remember but this who's could be a sea change. That maybe that that's you recommend to him it. to do that. No, he needs a he needs a political platform. I think he'll. Everyone's going to recommend that he does a Ariel Sharon. 
Yeah, okay, he'll make so make a new party, think... make a new centrist party, and bring everyone into it. All the pragmatists of Israel Center who are dying for competent leadership that will actually do something. That's why the name of Sharon, when Sharon pulled exactly that movie called the Party Kadiba, let's just move forward. Enough, enough being stuck in the same. Right, and then uh, eventually uh, Sharon was able to bring spinning, r- and let's move forward. And that's what he's going to have he, to do. He made Kadima out of Likud uh-huh. and lots of people from labor. Yeah. That's the only way. It, and he, if, if he didn't die, Kadima probably gets 40-something seats because that's what they were pulling at before Could he be. went. Um, I think when he went into a coma, if I remember correctly. I don't so remember. the question is, Bennett, Bennett will need a political moment to be able to bring in... Like for people to have the aura of Sharon, be like Bennett is this kind of power, and we'll follow Bennett the persona and whatever that means for the leadership he represented. That maybe could be, but also in the profiles, I think Chaviv wrote in Times of Israel and Shalfef wrote in Haaretz. I don't remember who said it, but it just all blur for me. They said mm-hmm. Bennett yeah, does stuff for like six, seven years, and then he goes to another thing. He was in high tech, Mitzia, yeah. like he did a great job. Then he was an activist for the settlers. Cool. Went into politics. He's been yeah. in politics now. That's what I'm saying. After and four now years, now he's prime minister. After four he years, might he be might like, say, "You nice. know what? Now it's time to go and enjoy my uh, house yeah, in Manana and have a good time." I, I really can't see that. He has money. He has power. Nice, beautiful family. Like yeah, you know, like he's gonna. Do, you must look for Baruch Hashem, right? This headache after more than four years. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I don't <laughs> I w- when when. It's not like in America. Like, Obama has nothing to do because he's term limits. So he became 55 when he retired from politics. And now he just writes memoirs and gives speeches and comments. And you can start a foundation and I'll have a library. I a pretty penny You don't have it, that so. here. Right. No. It, but once again. Um, what? Ben-Gurion had a whole, I, I, as the state voc- the, 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 the sage at state Ben-Gurion voc- stayed yeah. in politics forever. <laughs> But he died yeah. in seventy three. He was a member of Knesset during the Six Day War. Was, was that was a no special a calling him in? To, that was an emergency, giving him a ministry without portfolio. I don't think he was a member. No, no, but he was a member of Knesset. He had a party, and I think he was just a member of Knesset in the sixties. After he was prime, he stayed around. He, didn't he stayed around as, a, as an old wise person for people to visit and stay booked there. He didn't come to. He came in for right, the so Six Day I, War. I, right, but he was still. I must. I'm not the history. I don't remember exactly, but as far as I understand, he still had a. He still had an elected position. Like, he was still elected to the Knesset. He ran on a party in 1963, and they lost. But he resigned from the Knesset after the Rafi party. Like that was it. Yeah, and they only got like yeah. ten seats. Yeah. No, but and he six where they give him a ministry care. without portfolio. I could be wrong, but that's what I remember. I don't. I I I feel bad that we're recording a podcast and I didn't check this. No, but, that's fine. Um, I just really hope one of our listeners I, knows the history well enough, and they're like freaking out. I'm going to check you right guys. now and make a. Yeah. I'm gonna but check it's interesting if you think but well, my point is that prime ministers that are put like we don't have resi- like they don't retire here like they can keep on playing the game and fighting the like game BB. BB's still playing in the game right as, you, as in that's okay. there's no that like it's, next step that's the best thing that's the point that's I wanted to that's the best thing for this current government is BB staying in the head of the uh, opposition they'll, they'll fold because people you're right people are saying well so all they have in common is that they they find BB and the previous government as the problem, right? So as long as they're there in the opposition, that's holding this exists. government together, so that they can maybe address and solve basic problems that all Israelis have, whether they're domestic. They're you know, why is the price of housing so high? The cost of living in general is so high. Uh, infrastructure, transportation, are there things we can do to make life better? If that's what they focus on, and they're held together by the ever 
barking BB from the opposition, it could work. I don't know that it will, but it could. And that may be a great turning point, as you were saying that. I'll just make while Benji's uh, Wikipedia-ing. I don't think that's a verb. But now it is. Not, it should be. And I can't really figure out. He was in politics until 1970, but I can't figure out if being in politics isn't the same as serving in the government. No, no, no. It says he was Barack in the government Obama is still until very much in politics. Fair enough. Okay, it's alpha. I, I can't do. I can't multitask this. I'll have to look after the podcast. Wow. Well, oh, Benji, I think you're getting old like us. Used to be I'm young Benji adult. could have pulled that off. No problem. Now you're growing old. I Look can't, at that. I can't, I can't. I got to focus. It's too much. You know what it is? It's too the kids. Screens. Once you have kids, they just sap your brain cells. You know so I just want to make... Uh, up. I'm, I wake up at 4.40 on my own now because my kids are waking up really early. Now they started waking up at 6 and I can't, <laughs> I can't wake up later. I'm just up. I'm ready to roll. Listen, when you start having dinner at like 4 or 5 p.m., then I'll know you're really a senior citizen because you're going to sleep I, at 6 we, if I, you're waking up at... I love eating a 5 o'clock dinner with the kids. There's nothing better than that. <laughs> Uh, uh, All right. I just want to make two last points about what uh, I, 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 you know, I, I have a longstanding record as a cautious optimist, partially by choice. So, you know, that's my attitude towards a, a unity government for sure. But uh, I just wanted to say two things that I found moving on. It's not called Inauguration Day, but on the day that the government was voted in. One of them was that when when all that yelling against Bennett was going on, uh, his sons were in the balcony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at one point, Bennett was talking about, you know, the lessons of the Second Temple and how Jews have to understand that whatever disagreements they have, uh, they have to work together. To And it was, I thought, a, a, a powerful point. And, and, if, and, and, and the idea of people heckling that point was so, like, deeply ironic that, that you, you saw it was getting, it was... <laughs> And his sons, you know that's where you make... I love that. Out. The kids with the heart. They oh made my the two-hand heart where you bend your fingers and you lower your thumbs. And you, so and I, cute. I, I haven't had a dad since I was their age. So for me, I'm a sucker for a good parent-son moment. But, uh, but I really choked up. Like, that was beautiful. And it, it was also this beautiful moment of politics, politics. Like, his kids love him. It, it, there was something, and I, I can't imagine that that wasn't powerful to Israelis to see. Family is a very big deal. Israel has, you know, it's one of the only modern democracies with a growing population. Israel loves its kids and its families. And that was just a, a powerful, I thought, Israeli moment. With all the ugliness that went on that day, I was really encouraged by that. And I was encouraged by one other thing. I'll tell you my second positive. That Bennett did something I thought, and again, I realize I'm a, 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 an Olaf from America. I'm very used to American politicians, especially on a national stage, invoking God and religion. Presidents end their addresses with God bless the United States of America. Always. That's, that's so not done in democracies, including Israel. And, and Bennett not only invoked God's help, which sometimes you hear, but he, he recited the beginning of the prayer for the state of Israel. Right. Tefillah Medina. The Tefillah Shalom Medina. He said the whole first paragraph. Yeah. The room was what? dead silent. Which, by the way, is it's the Tefillah Medina for the conservative movement. They don't do the second paragraph. That was the only one I said in school. That was the whole thing because we don't do the the part about the Shavu Banim Legbulam part. I said there, but that was yeah, to me, sorry. that was to yeah. me a uniting Jewish moment where it didn't violate the separation of religion and state. 
to, as a religious person, invoke a central Jewish idea, which is said in synagogues, as you're saying, Benji, not only in Israel, but around the world. To invoke in that from the rostrum of the Knesset and get absolute respectful silence from the room. To me, it was encouraging. Mm. That was a line that was not crossed. Nobody was disruptive during that moment. And it was a few minutes. Wow. It wasn't, it wasn't very long. That, to me, showed that there's something still there at the core that we're not, that we're not, with all the struggles and with all the disappointments and all the negativity, that we're not struggling in vain. That there, that there, there is, there is a point where we, where we unite when it comes down to it. And, I, and I'm hopeful that this is a turning point to a more responsible civic and maybe even, because uh, we're seeing these problems around the world, a lack of respect for democratic norms. And maybe what we're seeing is the beginning of the turning of the, ship of state into calmer waters where where we we can we can communicate and behave in ways that teach our children the meaning of and the importance of democracy not only in our words but in our actions hopefully that hopefully that was a low point in terms of some behavior but a high point in terms of other behavior i agree with matt that we saw both on display and maybe 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 and i'll say with god's help that's where that's where this is heading. I'm hopeful. That is a great note to end on, Mike. I don't yeah. want to say anything else because I want to ruin it. <laughs> I'm inspired by what you said. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I hope so. I hope so. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you. It's always fun to schmooze. I don't know that our listeners know that we do this during the week lots of times. But that's uh, why it's called the teachers' lounge because we're. Lo- I was also true. lounging for half the pod. I really went back <laughs> in my chair and. Yeah, but yeah, it's good. we're lounging and we These schmooze. are good because then we really focus on getting it done in a concise way for listeners also. So it, it sharpens the conversation a little bit. So it's, it's, it's just us schmoozing in the teacher's lounge, but with, with love and respect for our students to try to get them important perspective to help them make their own opinions, whether they agree or disagree with us, but to think things through. So a pleasure as always, gentlemen. Uh, we don't have to log off Zoom. But we can turn off our recording devices because that's the end of the episode. Benji loves to say it. Bye-bye. <laughs>